Chapter Five of the Wolf Leader by Alexander Dumas, translated by Alfred Allenson, eighteen fifty two to nineteen twenty nine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia. Chapter Five The Pact with Satan. Thibault stopped short on the threshold, overcome with astonishment at this reapparition. I was saying, began the wolf, as if nothing had happened to interrupt the conversation, that it is out of my power to grant you the accomplishment of all the wishes you may have in future for your own comfort and advancement. Then I am to expect nothing from you. Not so, for the ill you wish your neighbor can be carried out with my help. And pray what good would that do me personally? You fool! Has not a moralist said there is always something sweet to us in the misfortune of our friends, even the dearest? Was it a wolf said that? I did not know wolves could boast of moralists among their number. No, it was not a wolf, it was a man. And was this man hanged? On the contrary, he was made governor of part of Poitou. There are, to be sure, a good many wolves in that province. Well, then, if there is something pleasant in the misfortune of our best friend, cannot you understand what a subject of rejoicing the misfortune of our worst enemy must be? There is some truth in that, certainly, said Thibault, without taking into consideration that there is always an opportunity of profiting by our neighbor's calamity, whether he be friend or foe. Thibault paused for a moment or two to consider before he answered, by my faith you are right there friend wolf and suppose then you do me this service what shall you expect in exchange i suppose it will have to be a case of give and take eh certainly every time that you express a wish that is not your own immediate advantage you will have to repay me with a small portion of your person thibault drew back with an exclamation of fear oh do not be alarmed I shall not demand a pound of flesh, as a certain Jew of my acquaintance did from his debtor. What is it, then, you ask of me? For the fulfillment of your first wish, one of your hairs, two hairs for the second wish, four for the third, and so on, doubling the number each time. Thibault broke out into a laugh. <laughs> if that is all you require, Master Wolf, I accept on the spot and I shall try to start with such a comprehensive wish that I shall never need to wear a wig, so let it be agreed between us. And Thibault held out his hand. The black wolf lifted his paw, but he kept it raised. Well, said Thibault, I was only thinking, replied the wolf, that I have rather sharp claws, and without wishing to do so I might hurt you badly. But I see a way whereby to clinch the bargain without any damage done to you. You have a silver ring, I have a gold one. Let us exchange. The barter will be to your advantage, as you see. The wolf held out its paw. Thibault saw a ring of the purest gold shining under the fur of what corresponded to the ring finger, and accepted the bargain without hesitation. The respective rings then changed ownership. Good, said the wolf. Now we two are married. You mean betrothed, Master Wolf, put in Thibault. Plague upon you, you go too fast. We shall see about that, Master Thibault. And now you go back to your work, and I'll go back to mine. Good-bye, my lord wolf. Till we meet again, Master Thibault. The wolf had hardly uttered these last words, on which it had laid an unmistakable emphasis, 
ere it had disappeared like a pinch of lighted gunpowder and like the gunpowder left behind a strong smell of sulphur thibault again stood for a moment dumbfounded he had not yet grown accustomed to this manner of making one's exit to use a theatrical expression he looked round him on every side but the wolf was not there at first he thought the whole thing must have been a dream but looking down he saw the devil's ring on the third finger of his right hand he drew it off and examined it he saw a monogram engraved on the inner side and looking more closely perceived that it was formed of two letters t and s ah he exclaimed in a cold sweat thibault and satan the family names of the two contracting parties so much the worse for me but when one gives oneself to the devil one has to do it without reserve and thibault began humming a song trying to drown his thoughts but his voice filled him with fear for there was a new and curious sound to it even to his own ears so he fell silent and went back to his work as a distraction he had only just begun however to shape his wooden shoe when some distance off from the direction of Bezemont, he again heard the baying of the hounds and the notes of the baron's horn thibault left off working to listen to these various sounds ha my fine lord you may chase your wolf as long as you like but i can tell you you won't get this one's paw to nail up over your door of your castle what a lucky beggar i am here i am almost as good as a magician and while you ride on suspecting nothing my brave dispenser of blows i have but to say the word and a spell will be cast over you whereby i shall be amply avenged and in thinking thus thibault suddenly paused after all he went on why shouldn't i revenge myself on this damned baron and master marcotta pshaw with only a hair at stake i may well gratify myself on this score and so saying thibault passed his hand through his thick silky hair which covered his head like a lion's mane i shall have plenty of hairs to lose he continued why bother about one and besides it will be an opportunity for seeing whether my friend the devil has been playing false with me or not very well then i wish a serious accident to befall the baron as for that good-for-nothing of a marcotta who laid on to me so roughly yesterday it is only fair that something as bad again should happen to him while expressing this double wish thibault felt anxious and agitated to the last degree for in spite of what he had already seen of the wolf's power he still feared the devil might only have been playing on his credulity after uttering his wish he tried in vain to return to his work he took hold of his parer wrong side up and took the skin off his fingers and still going on with his paring he split a pair of shoes worth a good twelve sous as he was lamenting over this misfortune and wiping the blood off his hand he heard a great commotion in the direction of the valley he ran into the Cretianella road and saw a number of men walking slowly two and two in his direction these men were the prickers and kennelmen of the lord of vez the road they were traversing was about two miles long so that it was some time before thibault could distinguish what the men were doing who were walking as slowly and solemnly as if forming part of a funeral procession when however they got to within five hundred paces of him he saw that they were carrying two rough litters on which were stretched two lifeless bodies those of the baron and of marcotta a cold sweat broke out over thibault's forehead ha ah, he exclaimed what do i see here what had happened was this thibault's expedient 
for putting the dogs on the wrong scent had succeeded and all had gone well as long as the buck remained in covert but it doubled when near marola and while crossing the heath passed within ten paces of the baron the latter thought at first that the animal had been startled by hearing the hounds and was trying to hide itself but at that moment not more than a hundred paces behind him the whole pack of hounds appeared forty dogs running yelping yelling crying some in a deep bass like a great cathedral bells others with the full sound of a gong and again others in a falsetto key like clarionets out of tune all giving cry at the top of their voices as eagerly and merrily as if they had never followed the scent of any other beast then the baron gave way to one of his wild fits of rage fits only worthy of Policinello tearing a passion to tatters in a puppet show he did not shout he yelled he did not swear he cursed not satisfied with lashing his dogs he rode them down trampling them beneath his horse's hoofs flinging himself about in his saddle like a devil in a stoop of holy water all his maledictions were hurled at his chief pricker whom he held responsible for the stupid blunder that had occurred this time marcotta had not a word to say either in explanation or excuse and the poor man was terribly ashamed of the mistake his hounds had made and mighty uneasy at the towering passion into which it had thrown my lord he made up his mind therefore to do everything in the power of man if possible more to repair the one and calm the other and so started off at full gallop dashing among the trees and over the brushwood crying out at the top of his voice while he slashed right and left with such vigor that every stroke of his whip cut into the flesh of the poor animals back dogs back but in vain he rode and whipped and called aloud the dogs only seemed to become more wildly anxious to follow up the new-found scent as if they recognized the buck of the day before and were determined that their wounded self-esteem should have its revenge then marcotta grew desperate and determined on the only course that seemed left the river orc was close by the dogs were already on the point of crossing the water and the one chance of breaking up the pack was to get across himself and whip back the dogs as they began to climb the opposite bank he spurred his horse in the direction of the river and leaped with it into the very middle of the stream both horse and rider arriving safely in the water but unfortunately as we have already mentioned the river just at this time was terribly swollen with the rains the horse was unable to stand against the violence of the current and after being swept round two or three times finally disappeared seeing that it was useless trying to save his horse marcotta endeavored to disengage himself but his feet were so firmly fixed in the stirrups that he could not draw them out and three seconds after his horse had disappeared marcotta himself was no longer to be seen meanwhile the baron with the remainder of the huntsmen had ridden up to the water's edge and his anger was in an instant converted into grief and alarm as soon as he became aware of the perilous situation of his pricker for the lord of vez had a sincere love towards those who ministered to his pleasure whether man or beast in a loud voice he shouted to his followers by all the powers of hell save marcotta five and twenty louis fifty louis a hundred louis to any one who will save him and men and horses like so many startled frogs leaped into the water vying with each other who should be first the baron was for riding into the river himself but his henchmen held him back and so anxious were they to prevent the worthy baron from carrying out his heroic intention that their affection for their master was fatal to the poor pricker for one moment he was forgotten but that last moment meant his death 
he appeared once more above the surface just where the river makes a bend he was seen to battle against the water and his face for an instant rose into view as with one last cry he called to his hounds back dogs back but the water again closed over him stifling the last syllable of the last word and it was not till a quarter of an hour later that his body was found lying on a little beach of sand onto which the current had washed him marcotta was dead there was no doubt about it this accident was disastrous in its effect on the lord of vez being the noble lord he was he had somewhat of a liking for good wine and this predisposed him ever so little to apoplexy and now as he came face to face with the corpse of his good servitor the emotion was so great that the blood rushed to his head and brought on a fit thibault felt appalled as he realized with what scrupulous exactness the black wolf had fulfilled his part of the contract and not without a shudder did he think of the right master isingrin now had to claim an equal punctuality of payment in return he began to wonder uneasily whether the wolf after all was the kind of being that would continue to be satisfied with a few hairs and this the more that both at the moment of his wish and during the succeeding minutes during which it was being accomplished he had not been conscious of the slightest sensation anywhere about the roots of his hair not even of the least little tickling he was far from being pleasantly affected by the sight of poor marcotta's corpse he had not loved him it was true and he had felt that he had good reason for not doing so but his dislike to the defunct had never gone so far as to make him wish for his death and the wolf had certainly gone far beyond his desires at the same time thibault had never precisely said what he did wish and had left the wolf a wide margin for the exercise of his malice evidently he would have to be more careful in future in stating exactly what he wanted and above all more circumspect as regards any wish he might formulate as to the baron although still alive he was almost as good as dead from the moment when as the result of thibault's wish he had been struck down as it were by lightning he had remained unconscious his men had laid him on the heap of heather which the shoemaker had piled up to hide the door of the shed and troubled and frightened were ransacking the place to try and find some restorative which might bring their master back to life one asked for vinegar to put on his temples another for a key to put down his back this one for a bit of board to slap his hands with that for some sulphur to burn under his nose in the midst of all this confusion was heard the voice of little angoulevant calling out in the name of all that's good we don't want all this truck we want a goat ah if only we had a goat a goat cried thibault who would have rejoiced to see the baron recover for it would lift at least part of the burden now weighing on his conscience and would also rid his dwelling of these marauders a goat i have a goat really you have a goat cried angoulevant oh my friends now our dear master is saved and so overcome with joy was he that he flung his arms round thibault's neck saying bring out your goat my friend bring out your goat thibault went to the shed and led out the goat which ran after him bleeding hold it firmly by the horns said the huntsman and lift up one of its front feet and as he gave the word the second huntsman drew from its sheath a little knife which he carried in his belt and began carefully sharpening it on the grindstone which thibault used for his tools what are you going to do asked the shoemaker feeling somewhat uneasy about these preparations what don't you know said angoulevent that there is a little bone in the shape of a cross inside a goat's heart 
which if crushed into powder is a sovereign remedy for apoplexy you intend to kill my goat exclaimed thibault at the same time leaving hold of the goat's horns and dropping its foot but i will not have it killed fie fie said angoulevent that is not at all a becoming speech monsieur thibault would you value the life of our good master as of no more worth than that of your wretched goat i am truly ashamed for you it's easy for you to talk this goat is all i have to depend upon the only thing i possess she gives me milk and i am fond of her ah monsieur thibault you cannot be thinking of what you are saying it is fortunate that the baron does not hear you for he would be broken-hearted to know that his precious life was being bargained for in that miserly way and besides said one of the prickers with a sneering laugh if master thibault values his goat at a price which he thinks only my lord can pay there is nothing to prevent him coming to the castle of Ez to claim this payment the account can be settled with what was left over as due to him yesterday thibault knew that he could not get the better of these men unless he again called the devil to his aid but he had just received such a lesson from satan that there was no fear of his exposing himself at all events for a second time the same day to similar good offices his one desire for the time being was not to wish any sort of ill to any one of those present one man dead another nearly so thibault found this lesson enough consequently he kept his eyes turned away from the menacing and jeering countenances around him for fear of being aggravated beyond control while his back was turned the poor goat's throat was cut her piteous cry alone informing him of the fact and it was no sooner killed than its heart which had hardly ceased throbbing was opened in search of the little bone of which angoulevent had spoken this found it was ground into powder mixed with vinegar diluted with thirteen drops of gall from the bladder containing it the whole stirred together in a glass with the cross of a rosary and then poured gently down the baron's throat after his teeth had been forced apart with the blade of a dagger the effect of the draught was immediate and truly miraculous the lord of vez sneezed sat up and said in a voice intelligible though still a little husky give me something to drink angoulevent handed him some water in a wooden drinking cup a family possession of which thibault was very proud but the baron had no sooner put his lips to it and become aware of what the vile abominable liquid was which they had had the impudence to offer him than with an exclamation of disgust he flung the vessel and its contents violently against the wall and the cup fell smashed into a thousand pieces then a loud and sonorous voice which left no doubt of his perfect recovery called out bring me some wine one of the prickers mounted and rode at full speed to the castle of Wagny and there requested the lord of the place to give him a flask or two of sound old burgundy ten minutes after he was back again two bottles were uncorked and there being no glasses at hand the baron put them in turn to his mouth draining each at a single draught then he turned himself round with his face to the wall and murmuring macon seventeen forty three fell into a profound slumber End of chapter five Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.